somebody in 2016, you know how they have like uh, collective words, like a, like a herd of cows or a murder yeah. of crows. Someone, someone proposed that a, a, a group of like, like 20-something white men should be called a podcast. From Amman, Jordan, this is Collateral Repair Podcast. I'm Carolina Hofstein. And I'm Jason Wilson. Collateral Repair Podcast is a project of Collateral Repair Project. Collateral Repair Project, or CRP, is a grassroots nonprofit helping vulnerable refugees and needy Jordanians in Amman, Jordan, through basic needs assistance and trauma relief programming. In this episode, we're talking about winter. Not many people are aware that Jordan and the surrounding area gets quite cold in winter. So there are these everyday issues like keeping warm and having the proper shoes that become more pressing. We spoke with Mona from Iraq who came here with her two sons a few years ago about her experience coming here in winter and how she felt that this impacted uh, her mental health as she found it quite expensive and it was quite limiting on her life and also her son's. So we wanted to start this episode really touching on the physicality of winter in Amman. Uh, Like Carolina said, it gets a lot colder here than you might think if you've never been to the region. And the construction in Amman does not really lend itself to being comfortable in winter. Um, Homelessness is not a problem that our community largely faces. Uh, But there are a lot of people living in uh, apartments or dwellings that are, are largely considered substandard. Um, in construction and, and in furnishings. So uh, just to get, get paint you a picture, uh, most of the construction in Amman is either stone, concrete, or cinder block. And these materials, once they get cold, they, they tend to stay cold throughout the winter. Um, and they really conduct heat out of the living spaces. So uh, the whole situation really acts as a refrigerator. Um, you have a lot of... Uh, the, the, a lot of our families also don't have a lot of furnishings. Uh, some of them um, have no furniture or they, or they sleep on the floor or they have like a, a, a thin mattress that they might sleep in at night. And so it, uh, when, you're, when you're on the floor or you're or very close to the floor, uh, all of the heat is going to be pulled out of you. And, and heating is largely achieved here through gas heaters. So people will have a gas heater they'll place in the middle of their room and it'll attempt to kind of radiate the heat out. Uh, but largely what you're going to be dealing with is chronic coldness. You're going to be cold outside because it's cold outside, and you'll be cold inside. I want you to imagine never truly being warm because that's the reality of people's lives here during the winter. Um, that has an impact on mental health, and, and uh, there's, just, there's just no relief from it. There's very few places that people can go or come to... to to really truly feel warm. Um, we were talking before we record, recorded this episode and, and Aaron, our producer, mentioned that all of our episodes kind of end up swinging back to mental health in the end. And so we wanted to take a little bit more direct approach uh, this time. So uh, Carolina, you spoke to uh, three professionals at uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, uh, which to our American audiences we call uh, Doctors Without Borders. Uh, yes, I interviewed a team of professionals working at a mental health clinic in Irbid. Uh, I spoke to Rana, who was a psychosocial counsellor, and Isabella, who was the mental health activity manager, and then Katarina, who was a psych- child psychologist, about um, basically being a refugee in winter and how 
they saw a difference in how pressing their mental health issues that they struggle with all year round, like anxiety and PTSD and just daily feelings of fear as well, but how these became so much more pressing in winter. And as we always do, we'll start with the voice from our community, Mona. When did you come to Jordan? I come at uh, 1040 in uh, December. And who came with you? Uh, just my kids. And they were teenagers already? No, yeah. Yeah. So your husband stayed in Iraq yeah. and he continued to work in Iraq. Yeah. Um, what was that like suddenly you were a single mom? Even though you're still married, um, but yeah. you were raising your kids by yourself. You know, it's very difficult because the, they are boys. They are, don't go to the school, just sit in the home. I, I couldn't do anything for them. And I am alone, and um, here it's... Um, uh, Arabian community, they don't like a single mom. It's very hard for me. Did anyone treat you differently because you were here without your husband? Yeah, they all the time ask me why. But I, I couldn't answer them. Was it harder to stand up for yourself um, to get things done? Yeah, it's very hard. Mm. Yeah. Um, did your husband uh, send you money? Yeah. Yeah, so that helped a little bit, but... Yeah, this this is uh, my problem. He couldn't stay with me here because they couldn't work here. Yeah. Uh, refugees couldn't work here exactly with Iraqis refugees. He stayed in Iraq to work and to send to me the money. Yeah. When you were still in Iraq yeah. and you had this idea to come to Jordan... Yeah. Once you came, was it what you thought it would be like? Uh-huh. I don't know. It, I, I, I found like this um, a hard uh, in, in my life. I thought it's everything easy. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, not. No. And you come at the coldest time of the year. Is it was it colder here in Amman than in Baghdad? No, no. no. The the weather was the same. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, what sort of challenges did that mean for you coming in winter? You know the the Jordanian. It's very cold. And we, and I couldn't, uh, um, I, I just stay in one room with my kids because I haven't enough materials yeah, for them, like a blanket or uh, carpets or uh, uh, oil because we are in Iraq, uh, use oil for uh, for heating. For heating, yeah. yeah. Because here, electric, very 
uh, expensive. It's not cheap. Did, did you have hot water? Uh, yeah, but with my nearby. With your neighbor? Yeah, with my neighbor. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to take a hot shower, you had to go to your neighbors and, no, and ask? No, just the water with them. Oh, so you shared water yeah, together? Yeah, with them, yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, did that mean that you were running out of water? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you do when you were cold? I tell you, I was just one room mm -hmm. to be warm for my kids. Yeah. And that's it. And then the three of you would just stay in the one warm room together? Yeah. And meanwhile, they're teenage boys. Yeah. And they're there without their dad. And are you all driving each other crazy? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They stay just in this room. Uh, they eat in this room. They sleep in this room. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a stove and gas to cook with? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to get a little bit of warm food. Yeah. Um, I mean, so what did your kids do? What did they do all day? Just sleep or watch TV or play in uh, them phones. Yeah. Just do this. So this was in 2014. Yeah. And you've been here since. Yeah. Um, what has gotten better for you every winter? Everyone. Since then, uh -huh. like, was the next winter better or was it the same? No, when the winter it's came, <laughs> I am very sad. Yeah, yeah. because it's uh, same. It's very cold. Yeah, yeah. And it starts to get cold. What month? Like October, November? Yeah, when uh, the December it came, you know, we have uh, four months. It's very cold in Amman, yeah. and we haven't uh, enough uh, to to be warm in our home. Yeah. Is this why you like celebrating Christmas so much? Yeah, <laughs> to change, to change my, uh, 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 to change the life for my kids. Yeah, just this. What? Uh, why did you leave Iraq? You know, there is m many militia. Yeah. It's not good for my kids. Yeah. yeah. I come here. Yeah. Do you ever regret your decision to come to Jordan? Do you ever think maybe I should have stayed in Iraq? No. No? No, no. It's not what about your kids? My kids just, uh, they want to learn uh, school. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big problem for them. Have they been in school? Now here in Jordan? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so what do, they, what do they do all day now? Uh, they uh, go to the CRP mm -hmm. because there is many programs for uh, teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, Say hi, teenager. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they take them uh, lesson there in CRP mm -hmm. because there is, you know, many programs. Uh, it's uh, like uh, ICDL mm -hmm. or uh, um, 
teen all-stars Man, yeah yeah many many thanks yeah. for them yeah they like it to learn yeah. there um so now that um now recently just a couple months ago your husband finally joined you here yeah. in jordan yeah um has that helped yeah what would you say the difference is before your husband came and now uh-huh before that i am um, you know i am single mom here uh, i tell you because here it's a uh, arabian community don't like see single mom mm-hmm. uh, then now he was all the time with his kids mm-hmm. they could uh, go outside with uh, dad uh, before that they don't like go with me because they are now teenager mm-hmm. they say no mom we are shy uh, we couldn't go with you for mm-hmm. any place now uh, with them dad yeah yeah um, do you ever feel uncomfortable because you don't cover your hair um, but you are a Muslim family. Yeah. Um, does that ever make you feel uncomfortable uh, walking around by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, like, has anything ever happened? Has anybody ever said anything to you about it? Yeah, they ask me why you don't put cover on your uh, yeah. 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 I tell them it's my, yeah, it's, I am okay. Yeah. Like this, yeah. Yeah. So you've also been able to get a little bit of a bigger apartment, a better apartment, uh, but still not all the rooms have heating. Yeah. So what are you, what are you doing to prepare for winter no. right now? Mm-hmm. It's same. Yeah. I just use because it's uh, very expensive when I buy uh, oil or yeah. I want to buy uh, the gas yeah. for uh, heater. I just uh, need uh, now, but it's big room, not the same. We use uh, 20 uh, JD. Maybe sometimes it's uh, not 20, 25 or same like this or 30 JD for in the month. Um, And what about coats? So now you've been here for a few years. Mm -hmm. So um, you have some supplies that you've you've accumulated every year um but like for example we're sitting in your apartment right now and i'm in my big sweater and you're in your coat Mm -hmm. um because it's cold even though it's really sunny out so does everybody in your family have a coat now yeah just one piece you know yeah everything here in jordan is very yeah, expensive. Yeah. We couldn't uh, every time uh, we bought everything new. Yeah. When I have uh, a last year, I could use it now. Yeah. Um, so you're hoping to be resettled to Australia. Yeah. But you're in the long waiting process. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it gets like right now it's warm mm-hmm. in Australia. Yeah. In the summertime, yeah, it's it'll a be very cold. problem. Yeah, um, but when you think about that being a better place for you to go, I mean, are you thinking like right now? Oh my gosh, if I were just in Australia, it would be warm. I would be warm this whole time. Yeah, you know, you the, all them, 
they must be keep uh, the clothes if they want go to Australia because it's different uh, season here. Yeah. But uh, now I couldn't do the same them because my kids uh, um, all uh, the year they become bigger. bigger. Yeah. I couldn't uh, buy for them and keep it. Yeah. Then I hope the next year I will travel to Australia. No. Yeah. That's my big problem. I all the time uh, thinking about uh, this. Yeah. They must be know how the refugees live. live. Yeah. Uh, here in Jordanian, it's very difficult. Everything it's expensive. Mm -hmm. They must be help them. Uh, yeah, because Jordan is more expensive than Iraq. Yeah. Um, the the heating for the the gas or the oil is more expensive here. Yeah, everything. Um, do you find that you feel more sad in the winter time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like what happens? It's all the time in the home, you know. Um, I tell you, I couldn't uh, do my uh, home warm. Yeah. Uh, I need uh, to change uh, everything to buy carpets. Yeah. Again, like this. And by the time CRP closes, um, yeah. it's dark outside. And you maybe come from CRP and it's already dark and it's not going to get light till morning. And so does the darkness make you feel more sad? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Muna. Thanks. Thank you, Muna. And thank you, Judy, for our interview. Uh, next up, our secondary interview with the team from Medicine Sub Frontier. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, first, I would like you to just introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your background, uh, your role here at the centre, what, what is it you do here, um, and how long you've been with MSF as well. Okay, thank you so much for, 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 for your time first. And um, I'm Ranel Mohsen. I work at uh, MSF since uh, six months. Uh, as a psychosocial counsellor. I am Isabella Tion. Here I am the mental health, mental health activity manager for MSF. It's my first mission with MSF and I'm here in Jordan since two months. Um, as background, I am a psychologist. Um, uh, before to come here, I have uh, other experiences in uh, humanitarian field and uh, that's it. Hello, my name is Katarzyna Sherahulkova. I am coming from the Czech Republic. I'm a psychologist. Uh, all, my, uh, all the years uh, that I was working, I was working mostly with children or families um, who were uh, meeting some, facing some difficulties uh, because of the situation of uh, their children. 
And for MSF, I work now uh, six months. Uh, it's my first mission from the Czech Republic. Uh, I was uh, I started my praxis 12 years ago, and most of the time I worked in various kind of counseling centers or autistic centers for children, and nowadays in hospital. I'd like to start with talking about what kind of mental health issues people most seek help for. Is it a daily feeling of anxiety and depression? Is it post-traumatic stress disorder? Actually, for us, talking for us, we organize some uh, awareness sessions uh, in the community. So we have done this since uh, years um, uh, in Mafrak Governorate in Herbid, uh, in different locations, uh, in communities, in CBO that are these uh, community-based organization and centers and also in some hospitals uh, to talk about mental health, what it means, why we don't need to feel uh, um, this stigma, but it's not, uh, it's not easy, of course. Um, it's not it actually, as psychologists, I think that we face this problem all over the world. Um, so what we do is that actually to uh, to sensibilize people, uh, teenagers, children, and their caregivers about this. Um, then in your daily practice, uh, we also uh, related to to awareness session. Uh, we usually face uh, people who refuses to. Um, because we work with kids most of the time from uh, three to 17 years old, we face sometimes families and mothers uh, mention that they are not uh, uh, willing to, to say that uh, my kid is, uh, um, he facing some uh, mental health issue or some uh, something related to, to his uh, um, mental life or or he can't um, uh, talk very well or he been bullied from friends. So we, we somehow explain to them uh, we somehow explain to them the idea of uh, um, of us we of of us wanting them to be helped and to be secured and um, and do to save their children uh, and let them understand more their mental health and how we can provide this uh, type of therapy in a good way, uh, not being judged or. Tell their, their the mothers and the parents that we are not judging their kids uh, and we accepting everyone. This is uh, maybe one of the ideas. I think I do not have much to uh, to add to it, but uh, I am sometimes surprised. I thought that the stigma here to to have a patient to, to have a children with mental health issues it would be much bigger. And sometimes I'm really surprised that there are coming parents and saying like. Yes, I really care about the mental health of my child. I really want my child to feel uh, better. I really suffer when I see that they are crying, that they are sad of, uh, because of something. So sometimes I'm even surprised that uh, for some families it's something really important, even if my expectation was that it would be really hard issue for them to talk about mental health. But yeah, it's... Um, 
what I um, see quite a lot that uh, they are afraid uh, about confidentiality because they are coming from the same area. So they are asking a lot if we would talk about it with somebody who would know it. Even one father, I remember that he asked me uh, that uh, I uh, tell him the appointment, like really that he can uh, assess with the colleagues if somebody is going there, that he's for sure there alone. So he even took uh, hours that are not so frequently used so some of the parents really care that they are not um, in the waiting room with the others because they are afraid that it would be then spread uh, among their neighbors um, I think that also uh, for us, uh, in my experience, uh, there is a good um, networking and collaboration with other organizations because frequently it happens, especially for adults, uh, that um, they can um, have psych I mean psychosomatic symptoms, okay, and then they can be referred also for medical attention, and then these organizations. Uh, <laughs> refer to us when they um, evaluate uh, that is a psychological issue. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, what kind of mental health issues do people most often seek help for? Is it uh, like daily feeling of anxiety and depression? Is it more post-traumatic stress disorder? What is it that you see most on a daily basis? Again, when I came or before I came here, I expected that there would be a lot of patients with post-traumatic uh, symptoms. And I was surprised that it's not so often how much I expected it. But what I was really surprised, even I would say shocked, uh, uh, that there was a lot of patients, especially boys, quite old uh, boys suffering with aneurysis. Uh, which is really, really very stigmatic uh, issue for any child of any age. and. Um, I have quite some amount of patients uh, in the age 13, 14 who are suffering with these problems. A lot of my patients, I would also say that they suffer with uh, quite high anxiety uh, and a lot of fears, sometimes even some panic reactions to noise or to something related to, mm, to crisis uh, in Syria, what they experience. And uh, a lot of bullying we also hear uh, from Jordanian children, but as well as from uh, children coming from Syria. So sometimes even in the neighborhoods, they really have some difficult um, relationships. That's what I'm thinking. And some patients I also had with uh, quite hard depression, especially when they were somehow hurted during the crisis in uh, in Syria and that the, the wounds uh, or the scars are still present and would be present forever. But I would also say that quite some issues are coming from parents, not from children itself. So sometimes it's a kind of something what children get from parents because parents suffer with it. Parents are afraid that they have these problems, uh, like children have these problems. So some things are connected also with the mental health of Parents. So then I'd like to move on to talking about winter because it is January now so it is at the height of uh, the winter season. How does this affect the mental health of the refugees that you work with? Uh, related to, to my work in, in the camp uh, I see yeah they seeking help for for 
for Winton in the camp because, um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, they have only one room that uh, it's the warm room and the warm room in the caravan, and uh, they wanted to to to. Uh, and they all of them sat together. And if one of the, um, if my patient wanted to do their homework by their own, uh, they wanted to go to to another room, which is cold, uh, and um, and like. For the confidential, uh, sometimes we uh, we give them uh, some uh, some activity to do in the, in the sessions. Tamam? We give them some activity, and uh, this activity um, somehow they wanted to do it in a confidential way. Um, it's easier for them to do it in, in, in the summer than in the in the winter because uh, um, all the family are gathering in one room and uh, because it's only the uh, the warmer room. Um, even what what they can when when they came to the session, even um, uh, maybe some what I realized uh, they uh, they are not warm enough with their clothes. Uh, uh, not provided with a warmer cloth some uh, sometimes uh, they came um, with the slippers more than uh, boots uh, um, so um, yeah uh, for for winter they um, our work became harder because we want them to to feel um, comfortable and uh, and we uh, through the um, therapy but we can't uh, see that because of, of their uh, their situation and on, on the camp maybe maybe on, on their houses now i want to talk a little bit about urban refugees because in a study published at the end of 2017 by the international medical court it was reported that urban refugees suffer from mental health issues at a much higher rate than refugees living in camps and jordanians do you have any experience uh, with this and um to the best of your knowledge, why do you think this is? Yes, uh, actually, is my colleague Rana who is working in both uh, the two um, setting. I mean, in camp and also in uh, urban uh, um, location. Um, but anyway, I think that um, uh, camps anyway uh, in camps uh, there are. Lost a lot of organization who was working for for refugees there. So I think that on one side, um, refugees in camp ex- li- feel this sensation to be a little bit close and uh, obliged to be there. Um, but in urban, I think that as we mentioned before, they really uh, faced uh, this uh, vulnerable situation that uh, increase also the mental health distress um, because uh, they are facing also this lack of money, this lack of possibilities, and also sometimes like to be helped by other organization because they need to find out which one, how to do it, how to contact them. Um, I don't know if you have something to... Uh, related to, to the needs of, uh, of, um, of the refugee people, um, uh, as, as they mentioned, the basic needs somehow uh, uh, it's not um, provided for for them. Um, they they face the lack of uh, of everything. Okay, that made them to to work every day just to to 
to save what what um, what they need for for the actual day uh, what i what i want to explain more is that uh, every uh, every syrian here uh, and every every syrian here face that each, he want to live each day by day okay uh, because he want to have the possible needs for this day just to continue what what's what's going to happen to the next day so he lived day by day uh, to to continue the possible needs for him uh, for his kids or for uh, for uh, for his relative uh, so um, this um, this uh, this this is a huge uh, uh, or how we can say it um this big amount of of being distressed and uh, in a bad situation of uh, um and, and, men and mentally uh, mental health is is uh, additional stress exactly yeah. yeah related to that the person himself wants to live day by day and uh, he want to just to and to complete the basic needs only not continue the safety and everything yeah. because everything is ruined only the basic needs just to continue what's what's happening uh, what's going to be to the next the idea of them being uh, um, as a refugees uh, let them lose the hope of of uh, of, uh, of continuing uh, their future because uh, they are uh, feeling that they are not stable here okay and uh, there is something going to be on the future yeah. so uh, and they don't know what is it um, so um, what they what, what most of them they fear for what what the future what the future might might hide but um, for us we want them to to understand that the idea of, of, of them being on, on this situation and to cope uh, through these changes. Yeah. Maybe I... Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add something to the previous question uh, because what I also hear sometimes from uh, especially mothers who are coming uh, to, to my office and I work just uh, in urban area, I don't work in the camp. And uh, some of the mothers also mentioned that when they leave uh, among uh, Jordanian people, that they do not have really good contacts with neighbors because some neighbors they say that they are not so nice to them, uh, and uh, what that's maybe just my imagination. But I think that in camp it's like I would not call it like family, but all of the people are coming from the same um, problems, from the same they have same experiences, but when they leave somewhere in Mafrak or in, Be in Irbit and where they are surrounded by Jordanians, sometimes they feel alone. They don't feel that they have neighbors that they can rely on, that they can talk with them easily. They sometimes even think that uh, maybe they don't like them, which doesn't need to be true or it can be true. But the thing is that they don't feel somehow that this is my place where, where I have my people. I am here alone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. what I uh, assume, according what the mothers say when they are coming and um, saying that they are really alone yeah. uh, in their area.
Yes, I think uh, this idea of isolation, to be isolated, and also because related with the the poverty, I mean, the poor um, affordability that they have, they are sometimes also uh, obliged to live in some neighborhoods in characterized by um, delinquency or this kind of thing. So, for example, some of my patients is really suffering because of uh, uh, violence episodes um, uh, in, in their neighborhood or... Uh, they are also victims of uh, violence, abuse because of um, this. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, so, Judy, what's been going on at CRP this week? Well, appropriate to today's episode, we've been having winter distributions of hats, coats, and canned food. Um, Canned food's a little bit unusual for us, but um, the kids at Amman Community School wanted to do a canned food drive for us, so we said, great. Uh, Also, we have English classes underway. We held a training for new volunteers um, on January 19th, and then classes began the next day. And not this week, but actually back in December, we said goodbye to two uh, people at CRP, Brad and Estonia. Brad was our director of finance and reporting. He and his wife recently had a baby daughter, and they decided to move back to the U.S. to be closer to family. And also, we said goodbye to Estonia, um, who we hope to hear from in a future episode. Estonia was resettled to Australia, and we are very thankful um, that she landed safely just before Christmas. Thank you, Judy. Uh, If you want to learn more about us, check out our website, collateralrepairproject.org. And until next time.